I ask you to stand this morning and turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And we're going to read verse 14, but it's really kind of the capstone verse. And we'll talk more about everything that's happening in all of 2 Chronicles as we go through our uh, message this morning. Well, we start, as always, this series on Love Letter from God. We're going to start with our key verse for the whole series, which is John 3.16. And that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And now 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to all of us, opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today's verse is a piece of a response that God gives to Solomon. And it comes after Solomon does what his father David wanted to do, but wasn't permitted to do by God. What we talked about last week in 1 Chronicles, David had in mind this idea of building a temple. God said no to him, but told him that Solomon would be allowed to do it. And so Solomon is in the process of building this temple. He's actually completed it at this point, and he has prayed a prayer of dedication for the temple. And in the middle of the night, after God has blessed the offering in the temple, God comes to Solomon and says to him, I'm going to grant your prayer. I'm going to answer your prayer in the way that you have prayed it. I'm going to be present among my people in the temple in this place that you have built, and I'm going to be there for the rest of time. You will find me there. And God said, but my people have to agree to continue to worship me. And as it turns out, as we continue reading through the book of 2 Chronicles, most of what happens in 2 Chronicles centers around what happens with the kings who are in charge and their responsibility and reaction to having this temple in their ruling city. You see, when the kings worship God the way they're supposed to and honor the temple in its rightful place, God is with the nation. He moves them through. He allows them to do the things that they need to do. He blesses them in their conduct. When the kings stop worshiping in the temple, then the nation is no longer blessed. The nation falls to their enemies. They're taken captive. 
different things happen to them when they don't keep God worshipped the way that he is supposed to be worshipped. And the temple is really just a symbol for that. Because we know that God is not in this temple, this building built of stone and wood for all time. In fact, the temple in Jerusalem has been built back in Solomon's day. And as we're going to read next week, we're going to talk about Ezra. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about Nehemiah. And those are times when the temple had to be rebuilt. And it was rebuilt. And it was built and rebuilt. And then it was destroyed again. And to this day, if you go to Israel and you go to the weeping wall, that is actually the remaining external wall of the temple that was built. And it's why they call it the weeping wall, because the temple is no more. And you see, for a Jewish person, that means that God's presence can't rest on them as a nation. Because the temple is no more. Because they can't follow the decrees and laws that they were told to follow with Moses' Ten Commandments and all of the things that he had there. But the temple is really a symbol for the worship of God. And it's a symbol that means something to us, too. It's not by accident that Jesus talks about the temple and spends a lot of his time in the temple when he is on earth in the Gospels. When we read about his ministry, we read about him going into the temple and clearing out the money launderers and the people who were making a profit off of the people who were coming to worship. And Jesus was making a point about the symbolism of turning God's house, the place where you go to worship God, into something else, into something that wasn't beneficial for worship. Because the temple represents for us God's presence. And when we try to subvert how we do things in our lives so that God is no longer the central focus, we find that things begin to fall apart. The blessing of God's presence doesn't stay with us if we're not interested, if we're not invested in maintaining that relationship. And that's the same way that it happened with the children of Israel in 2 Chronicles. Throughout this, you will see, if you read the all of 2 Chronicles, Solomon dies, his, the kingdom gets split, there's a kingdom of Judah and a kingdom of Israel, And the various kings, some of them follow God, some of them don't follow God, and depending on which direction they go, so goes the nation. 
they lose their focus, the nation starts to fall apart. Ultimately, they get defeated by the Babylonians. There comes a point in time where one of the kings is so proud of all of the things that God has blessed him with that he shows the Babylonian kings what, hap- what he has in the treasury. He's like, oh, come and look at our beautiful treasury. Look at all the things we have that you could come and plunder. <laughs> and that's eventually what happens. Because his focus wasn't on God. His focus was on, look at all the things I have. He was being Vanna White. And over here, we have this. And over here, we have this. And the Babylonian king said, oh, yes, well, I'll take one of those and one of those. No, right? That's exactly what happened because they lost the focus of God and then they got conquered. And ultimately, they were taken captive in Babylon. And then we'll read more about what happens next for them next week. But the important thing for us to remember is is that when we read about the temple, we're reading about the idea of God's presence in our lives. And how God's presence in and of itself is the blessing of God. And... It is a story that is continued. It's a thread that kind of runs through the redemption story of Scripture. Now, the verse that I read today, I read it on purpose because you may have heard that verse before. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven And I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You may have heard that as a call to repentance for the country of America, for the United States. Well, I hate to break it to you, but this is a call to national repentance for the people of Israel. It is not a call to national repentance for the United States of America. Because we are not the same nation that Israel is. Israel was built and developed as a theocracy. It was built and developed to be worshiping God. The United States of America is not. We like to think it is because then that makes things special for us as Christians. But the reality is, while many of our founding fathers had a idea of Christianity, many of them were deists. Some of them did not believe in Christianity at all. And there are a lot of reasons why uh, it's not necessary for that to be true for us to live our lives as Christians in this country. We can live as Christians in a country that is not a Christian nation because we don't have to say that our allegiance is to the nation where we live. 
Instead, our focus is on the God who calls us to be a part of his kingdom. Our focus is on the God who asks us to serve him. Now, as part of that, we can be incredibly patriotic. We can be devoted to the country that we live in. There is nothing wrong with that. But we cannot replace patriotism or worship of God with patriotism. Those things are separate. And when we co-opt scriptures that talk about turning to God and say that somehow that's applicable to the United States of America, we change God's message. Because God's message here is not for the country we live in. It was for the children of Israel in the time and place where they were. Now, there are things that are in this verse that if we as individuals and we as a church do together, because we are people called by God's name as a church, and if we call out to God, he will hear us. If we turn from our wicked ways, he will hear us. If we pray and seek God's face, he will hear us. But he's already healed our land. He's already forgiven our sins. That's what Jesus did. And at the end of the day, when Jesus was talking about what would happen to him, Jesus actually called himself the temple. He said, in, you will destroy this temple, and in three days it will be raised again. And the disciples are like, what are you talking about? And we're going to talk about this a little more in Ezra and Nehemiah because they're going to say, wait a minute, it took us years to rebuild the temple. <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you going to rebuild it in three days? Also, by the way, it's not destroyed. It's pretty impossible to destroy in this state. But see, he wasn't talking about the physical building. He was talking about himself. And when Jesus refers to himself as the temple, that's how we know that following Jesus helps us fulfill this scripture. We can actually seek God's face and pray, but we know that our sins are forgiven. And our land is healed because Jesus already took care of it. So the next time you hear someone say this little verse out of context, where they say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will heal their land and forgive their sins. Remember that this is God's response specifically to the children of Israel 
specifically about the circumstances that they were in and specifically about that time. And it is not a call to national repentance for us because we are not part of the children of Israel and it does not obliquely apply to the United States of America. So I say all of that not because I want to say that we shouldn't pray for our country or that we shouldn't seek God's face or that we shouldn't pray about things that are important to us. If I believed any of that, I wouldn't be here on Sunday morning praying with us as a collective. And I certainly think that we can pray and seek God's face and see what happens when he hears from heaven and moves on our behalf. But the starting point has to be keeping our focus on the one who is actually the temple in the first place. On Jesus. Turning our eyes to him. Resting in what he can do. And serving him. Second Chronicles has fascinating things that happen. Various kings who see different things. One of the most interesting things that happens is when a king discovers the book of the law. They hadn't had it. They couldn't find it. They didn't know what to do with it. This is hundreds of years after Solomon. And it's been sitting in the temple. They just haven't been using the temple. They haven't been participating at the temple. And so this king comes back to the temple And when he gets there and he finds the book of the law and it's read to him, it says this, When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes and he gave these orders to his people. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. They forgot what the temple meant to them. They forgot about the relationship that they were supposed to have with God. And because they forgot, they ultimately were no longer the nation that they they had been promised to be. And as the king finds out that this happens, that they need to be following the law, he says, God, what do we do? And God says, well, I'm not going to do my judgment on you, but when you are gone, 
the children of Israel will be taken captive. This nation will be defeated. Babylon takes them captive and destroys the temple. And it's a picture of what happens when the attention is turned away from the God who created us. When we focus on God, we know God's presence and we live in the light of his blessing.